How about we talk about neighboring again? Week two in the Art of Neighboring series. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the big idea that everyone can neighbor. Everyone can neighbor. Um, It was interesting this week, actually. I was driving some girls uh, to a youth night event on Friday night, and uh, they had a blast watching a movie together, the Hillsong Worship uh, movie together, and uh, so they were uh, on their way there, and I heard, overheard a conversation. This is why parents drive their teens around, is to listen in, right? And, and hear, okay, who, what's the boy's name? Because I'm just going like, to, I'll take out his left kneecap. That's all, just the left kneecap. But actually, it was cool to hear what they were talking about was they had, uh, uh, one of them said, hey, thanks for letting me uh, borrow a couple eggs because to make the brownies for tonight. And it was a neighboring moment. Like I was listening to teenagers having a neighboring moment where they shared uh, just a couple houses away eggs with one another so they could make treats for the night. And I was going, how simple is neighboring? Even our teenagers are neighboring. So I was like, yay, students, right? The future is bright. In fact, the future is now. They're making a difference. Romans 15.2 says this, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. So each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. When it comes to neighboring, it's like we have this excuse button or default disqualifier in our head that kicks in. We hear the challenge of neighboring, and we just go, well, that's nice, but, and we fill in a blank. We're like, yeah, it works for you, but not, okay, yeah, you're an extrovert, Thad. I get it. You, you could do this, but th- there's no way, right? And so we start, like, the process of backpedaling. Sure, sure, for you, yeah, you, you live in a neighborhood with, with homes everywhere. It works for you. I, I have acreage. You know, we come up with these weird reasons we can't neighbor. Works for you, but but we're not the same age as our neighbors, so it just doesn't, yeah, can't. No. Each of us, Paul says, each of us, there's no way out, there's no excuses, and there's only the task at hand, which is neighboring. It's interesting how Paul continues as he writes there in Romans 15. He says, please our neighbors... For their good. We're supposed to please our neighbors for their good. Seems I've heard of more churches battling neighbors than pleasing them. And maybe it's because we've left neighboring to the institution of the church instead of the individuals within it. But you hear phrases like, you know, churches battling neighbors because of noise. I was in a, I pastored in a church where we had apartments really close and uh, we would, you know, have loud youth nights and get phone calls. It's too loud on Wednesdays, right? Um, uh, maybe we battle our neighbors over traffic uh, and they're just like, we hate the church that's next door because we can't drive. They're just backed up onto the road. Oh! Maybe churches you hear of... Um, battling uh, their neighbors for land use. 
Maybe you hear of churches battling their neighbors or, or trying to, to buy their neighbors out of homes so that they can expand. I was in a church like that too, where we were landlocked. In fact, funny, crazy story, we would like pray for our neighbors to move. That's so backwards. I've done this, right? Shouldn't we be loving our neighbors? Like, awesome, we have neighbors right next to the church. Win! You know, but we get, we get off a little bit because we think of neighboring as an institutional responsibility instead of an individual one. Um, I've even heard churches verbalize, I hope this business goes out of business so we can take over that building for Jesus, right? And you're just like, I wrestle with all of that now. I have a, just a different mindset because I believe neighboring is each of us, not just a building that has to be a neighbor where neighboring is like instituted. Um, no wonder legislation is written to oppose churches, right? Well, you know, you got to have... Yeah, 500 parking spots per individual. Oh, you don't fit there. Sorry. You know, it's just like you come up with these weird rules because it's just like, man, they're trying to take over, but then it's just an empty building. What if we got back to the heart of what Jesus was challenging and Paul echoes here? We get back to God's heart for people and God's heart for us as individuals to be people that would love people. Like, we would be great neighbors, people going into the community as good neighbors. It's the micro level of the church, right? Individuals loving individuals. A church full of people loving people will find it hard to oppose the city that they're in. They'll love the city because they get a rhythm for the people in it. When we love the community, we serve on a micro level. We, we love the community on a macro level, like as a church, we'll show up, we'll do events that'll express the love of Jesus to people, but more importantly, we embody the love of God to individuals in our neighborhoods. That's just the most basic mission we have as followers of Jesus. Um, instead of trying to push our dreams onto the community, we can, in Jesus' name, help the community fulfill their dreams. It's kind of a role reversal that's caught versus taught. We're for the community. The individual role of neighboring is mission critical because it helps the church then remain within God's will and mission. We can easily get off track of serving those we're called to serve if we're building our kingdom versus the community. Listen to Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. The center of God's heart there is focused on the community. Right? And these people have been carried into exile, so it's not like 
you and me who have moved here probably by our own will or got a job and we found ourselves here or we grew up here. But these are, are people, it says, your blessing, your increase, your prosperity has more to do with your neighboring than maybe you first anticipated. All these in Jeremiah didn't choose to live there, but God encouraged them that if they would plant themselves there, if they would increase and not decrease, if they would love on those around them and, and give their sons and daughters away in marriage with them, that what would happen? He would bring prosperity on the people in the community, which then would result in them being blessed. Serve first the community, and then you'll be blessed. Interesting concept. Everyone can neighbor, even those in exile. In fact, everyone needs to neighbor or will become off mission as a church. We have three thoughts for you today. Pretty simple day on neighboring. We'll get a little more practical in the next two weeks. But thought one, neighboring is not an introvert, extrovert thing. Isn't it easy to just say, yeah, you could do it if you're like outgoing. That, that works. But it's not an introvert, extrovert thing. Neighboring and people are what matters most to God, regardless of our personalities. This is a calling from Jesus that we must find our way to neighbor. It's not an introvert, extrovert thing, but a do something thing. Do something thing. Last week we talked about how God's love matters most. And this week, really, I guess you could sum it up, people matter most to God. People are what matters most. Jesus commanded us to love others. Jesus commanded us to be neighbors. All throughout scripture. In the Old Testament looking to Jesus. In the New Testament Jesus demonstrated neighboring. And now like Paul writes back. Looking back at how Jesus practiced neighboring and challenges us all. Each of us can neighbor. Doesn't matter. You can do what matters most to God. I had a great conversation this week, actually, regarding the gospel, just God's plan for us. And although our Easter invite makes it very simple, Jesus loves you, right? I love you, Jesus. There's so much more to our relationship with God than just knowing Jesus loves us. There's a mission for each of us to fulfill. And how much more basic can that mission become than being a good neighbor? You're not living where you live by mistake. Whether you're on acreage, whether you have a neighbor in front of you, around you, whether you're the full eight-point neighbor, or whether you're just, you know, have neighbors that are like, like us. We only have seven direct contacting our property neighbors. Whatever your scenario, God's challenged us to be a neighbor. And it might not just be at home. It might be at work. It might be on your commute. It might be at school. It might be on your sports team. You, you could be a good neighbor. You can love others in Jesus' name. To realize that that's the gospel. Like the gospel's more than just an, uh, an embrace or a, okay, I choose to follow Jesus. It's an, I'm going to grow in relationship with Jesus because everything I do is going to make him known through me if I'm on mission with him. There's so much more than that even. But I love the opportunity we have to bless our community by impacting others through neighboring. We experience the reward of life to the full that the Bible promises. In fact, life to the full is experienced by lifting others, not by elevating ourselves. A blog forwarded to me this week, 
person named Christina Walker wrote this. The good news is that every Christian, every one of us, regardless of age, experience, spiritual gifts, or knowledge base, can participate in welcoming and including those right in our own neighborhood into God's family. I love it. Second thought today, neighboring is an act of obedience. Obedience. It's like, okay, Jesus, you've challenged this. I'm going to do it. Back in Luke 10, 36 through 37, it says this. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor after telling the story of the Good Samaritan? A couple walked by the dude. One stopped. The Samaritan helped the guy that is beaten and left for dead. Picked him up, put him on his docky, put him in a hotel. Covered his expenses, left extra money in case there was more expenses. And, uh, and he's like, which of these was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Jesus accept, <laughs> accepts and expects your neighboring as an act of obedience to him. He says, now go and do the same. When I read that this week, it's funny, you can read the same passage over and over again and get something different every time. And specifically this week when I was praying for today, and I saw that phrase, do the same. Jesus in a story, he was making that story up of the Samaritan to really anger, actually, the guy that was asking it because he had the hero being someone the guy hated that asked the question. He just wanted him to really process how much neighboring is for everyone. And he... Um, uh, you kind of back up and look at the scenario when he says, do the same. And I think, you know, maybe to us we would think there's some sort of, like, reward, if you would, for being original. Uh, but the reality is, do the same is, means it's important to learn from how people are neighboring around you. And you can learn from others' successes. And you can learn from others' failures, Encourage. In fact, we're more encouraged by people's weaknesses because we relate to them than their strengths, which is why we often share stories of our failures or weaknesses. In fact, kind of a fun story uh, we're going to show you on video here for a couple minutes. Hello, my name is Chris. I'm the worship lead at Open Life in Sumner, and I've been asked to share with you my neighboring story. And I, I don't know why, because it's, it's really not that exciting. Um, those that know me know I just have a, a little bit of social anxiety. Um, my previous interactions with my neighbor has only been when his dog would break through the fence and come play in my yard. And I would just take the dog over and say, here's your dog. And he would say, thanks. And I would say, goodbye. <laughs> And that's about as much interaction as I can handle. Um, so it was after a Sunday, uh, I think it was actually that Sunday where we got our uh, neighboring cards and uh, um, we came home and he was outside getting out his car and uh, I was like, oh no, I, ha I have to go talk to this guy. I got to fill him in my square. He's outside. Um, I should go talk to him. And I mustered up the courage and and went over there and said, uh, oh, cool, you have a car. And he was like, yeah, yep, it's a car. And uh, like, oh, it's got, look at that, it's got wheels on, on there. And uh, 
He said, yeah, it's a, there's wheels, it's a car. Um, and we, <laughs> that's pretty much all we talked about. I, I tried to mumble my way through trying to talk about cars, but I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about cars. And um, we started talking about uh, his dog and come to find out his dog had just passed away on that Friday and it was only two years old. Um, so that was, that was really sad to hear. Um, and, uh, so we kind of had, we kind of had a moment there where, you know, I kind of felt sympathetic for him and I tried to comfort him. I don't know how successful I was at that. Um, and basically that's, that's the end of that story. That's my interaction with my neighbor. Um, and I still didn't get his name. <laughs> so I failed I failed there on putting his name on the thing, but I remember the dog's name. So I, I guess that's kind of a win. So anyways, that's my story. Very exciting. <laughs> yes. How many relate to a moment like that, right? We're not all extroverted. We're not all just like, hey neighbor, my name is so-and-so. Let me bake you some brownies. Welcome right? And uh, the reality of that story is he didn't get his neighbor's name after all that. But what's cool is that day we had put a challenge out and actually printed off on the back of the fill-ins a map of a neighborhood, right? The eight homes around you, you being in the middle, just like the logo there. And you could write the name of your neighbors down. And our challenge was to do that. And we challenged to do two things. By the end of 2017, that you could pray for your neighbor by name and need would just, we think it would just transform the way we neighbor, if you could do that. And so he did find out need that day. So it was 50% successful. He just missed the name factor, right? He figured out the need was he had just lost his dog that he only had for two years and was really bummed about it. When he told me that story, he said, and his neighbor began to kind of cry. And he was just like, so he's already uncomfortable. Now he's really uncomfortable. Like, what do I do? Oh, this guy's working on a car. Do I hug him? What happens, you know? And uh, that wasn't going to happen, so, which is good, you know, so, because uh, that'd be a little creepy. Bring it in, brother. You know, you never know what you do in an awkward moment like that. But So it was just kind of a, a great story to hear because we don't always swing, hit it, and it goes over the fence home run. Uh, it's, it's more like sometimes we swing and miss. But yet, it's still neighboring. Like that had to have made God happy, just smiling, just going, great, great obedience, Chris, right? It's an obedience factor. James 4.17 says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Like God wants us to to be active in our faith and not just go, yeah, well, there's people at my church, they do this. Yeah, I don't do it. He gives us an opportunity to put into action our obedience and neighbor with love, however awkward it is. Uh, it's an act of obedience. Thought three, neighboring can be simple. Really, it's just doing something. Neighboring is super simple. Neighboring is not transactional events per se, but transformational opportunities. Again, when, when we love people, our hearts get bigger. 
We live life to the full. Luke 10, 29, just before the passage we, we read, before Jesus told the Good Samaritan story, uh, you know, it says the man that he was talking to wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And as it turned out, the expert in the law was asking the wrong question. The question should have been, well, how should I love? How am I supposed to love? But Jesus, knowing, you know, kind of what was going on there, he, he answered both the transactional question that the guy asked, you know, what box do I check off so that I can make it to eternal life and do God's will right? But he also just checked off the how. He kind of demonstrated how to show mercy and love. He did both. He could have just given a quick little box for this religious ruler to check and feel better about himself. But in actuality, he wanted him to discover this culture, if you will, or lifestyle of neighboring. So he answered both, who is my neighbor and how can I love my neighbor in one story? This is a calling from Jesus for all of us. You have to find your way to this and discover how to follow, even in the most easy manner. There's no playbook for neighboring. It's more of a culture or a lifestyle to be lived. And I think we understand something uniquely in Seattle, thanks to the Seahawks. Um, honestly, I think we've witnessed a football team become more of a culture than a football team through the leadership of Pete Carroll and the owners and everything. It's like there's this belief, there's this I'm in uh, spirit that these Seahawks will go out and never quit. And it's this interesting culture where they're relentless at competition and they practice harder than everybody else. Just these things you hear about the culture of the Seahawks in comparison to other Sports teams, and specifically in football, it's very unique. You hear the players come in and go, wow, the culture here is awesome. And it's a, it's a culture. Well, neighboring is kind of like this. It's not like we're memorizing just a playbook and we can go out on the field and succeed. You've got to go out with ideas and plays, but really you've got to go out embodying the culture of the team. And Jesus and his disciples and God throughout the Old Testament is trying to build this culture within us to love our neighbors. We have the opportunity to live out a culture of neighboring, which is not built on momentary acts of service or outreaches, but a lifestyle of neighboring. A culture that's not just taught, but caught in the community. The book, The Art of Neighboring, which this is, uh, the, the image is stolen from that kind of. We redeveloped it a little so that we wouldn't break too many copyright laws. Uh, maybe a couple, just two. I'm just kidding. Uh, the Art of Neighboring is a, um, tells the story of how really they developed their passion for neighboring in this book. It was some churches and pastors that came together and they were actually going to their city leads and they were asking the question of the mayor of the city that these churches were in they were asking the question, like, what can we do to be a blessing to the city kind of a question. And the mayor looked at him, and he told them, you know what I think would be something practical that churches could encourage their members to do is be good neighbors. 
And the pastors looked at each other like, duh, right? Because this is like written in the Bible. And the mayor is the one telling them, well, maybe you should be good neighbors. And they're going, okay, maybe Jesus really meant neighbor. So that's kind of what they came back to, put their heads together and started challenging people about neighboring and started watching people neighbor. Now, interesting enough, when we read this as a staff, this book, we were like, this sounds like open life story. It's, it's crazy. Because we too, we being me, sat with coffee with the mayor and the city planner and administrator of Bonnie Lake when we were getting ready to start this church a little over seven years ago. And we sat there and, and listened to what the community was dialoguing about and hearing them talk about people being a benefit to the community. And so we developed this heart of being for the community before Open Life ever became Open Life. And we dialogued and had this chance for an interaction because nobody showed up to this like breakfast with the mayor thing that I was at. And I was able to ask the mayor, like, what are the churches doing? Where are their needs in the community? And kind of ask the similar question that they asked before writing this book. And I remember the awkward silence from the mayor. When I asked, what are the churches doing? It was like, color guard or something, the, the, the flags uh, at events, the Boy Scouts come out and lead us. And I think, aren't some of the churches involved in Boy Scouts? That's literally all they came up with of what the churches were doing in the community. And I was just like, kind of mad, stirred up, like indignant would be a good word for kind of how I was trying to just like listen and not be angry. And, and, but I just came home and I was like, I probably cried a little because I do that sometimes when I get passionate about something. That's, and I was just like sad. And things have changed in the last seven years. <laughs> The churches are way more active in the community and, and with schools. And, and this culture shift has happened so much so. I thought it was the craziest deal. So I share a tweet yesterday when I'm finalizing this talk. Life to the full is experienced by lifting others, not by elevating yourself. And the first person who liked that quote on social media was the mayor of Bonnie Lake. Things have shifted because we've been for the community and people take note that don't even go to church yet. It makes a difference. Neighboring works to draw the heart of the community to experience Jesus' love through you and each of you. We just got to look for how that story is unfolding. So what is simple? It doesn't have to cost money. It doesn't have to be scheduled. It doesn't have to be planned ahead of time and, and like publicized. It doesn't have to be significant. Neighboring can just be a moment. What if you decide to slow down, be present and follow the unction that you experience as a nudge from the Holy Spirit when you're taking a walk through your neighborhood or go for a bike ride. Maybe you're sitting there weeding your yard and you see a weed right on the other side of the property line and you know you can grab the weed for your neighbor. 
But you're like, it's my neighbor. Pretty sure their dog's the one that left that right there on the lawn. I'm not pulling that weed. What if you pull the weed? Because you can feel that, like, conviction. Or maybe you pick up the dog poop not only on your yard, but right there on your neighbor's yard strip. Like, for me, that would take that much energy. Because <laughs> it's this little swath of grass. Maybe you help your neighbor carry something in from their car to their house because you see them struggling with it. Or go back to Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, and you, you build and you settle and you plant and you, I'm good at this one, eat. Just saying. That's why this group shirt, I had to wear the hoodie because I was like, Whoa, okay, that shrunk somehow. Anyway, you marry. Girls, you're 14, don't get any ideas. Okay, anyway, moving on. Uh, you know, just this, there's all these opportunities the Bible gives us, but this is how we walk into them, and we're going to talk more about this really next week. Pray for transformational moments with your neighbors. Prayer makes you a better neighbor. Praying changes you. Praying changes your neighbor, too, without them even know what, what's stirring. Praying, most importantly, opens our eyes and ears so that we don't miss the opportunities God presents us. So our action point is positively contribute to your neighborhood. There's no, like, what in that. It's just fill in, fill in what that looks like for you. For you, this might simply be slowing down when you drive through the neighborhood. So parents with little kids playing, don't key your car at midnight. For you, this might mean not getting mad when the neighbor's dog barks, or in our case, howls for hours next door. It's this husky, it's huge, and it's just, you're like, Tornado alarm. What is this? Neighbor's dog. There we go. Uh, What if God gave you the grace to be unoffendable? What if you didn't even get mad if the neighbor turned around in your driveway with their leaky oil old car and dripped right in the middle of your driveway. Right? I'm praying that God would make us unoffendable, great neighbors. I don't know how you feel God challenging you today, but use that connect card. Use your note sheet or your fill-in digitally to just jot yourself a note of how God is challenging you to be a better neighbor, to contribute to your neighborhood. Write it down because it'll allow you to be accountable to that. Begin to pray for it. Begin to find those opportunities God opens to you. And maybe you're saying, why would God open an opportunity for me? I don't even know him. Well, let's give you an opportunity today to to just invite Jesus into your life if you've yet to do that. We're going to pray and we'll give you a chance to respond to God's love for you. And then open yourself up to be used with his love through you. So God, I thank you for today that we could come and be challenged from your word, that each of us could look to our neighbor's good above our own, that we could be a contributing member to our community, to our neighborhood. And I pray that God, 
Maybe some today would make that choice to follow Jesus. God, they would discover you loved them so much you sent your son Jesus to demonstrate what it is to be loved to others, to challenge us with this challenge to neighbor as we love ourselves that we should love others and neighbor that are, that are our neighbor. And I pray that God, if we've yet to invite you into our life, that we would just simply say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to know what it is to follow you as Lord and be used as a representation of your love in the community. Equip me, challenge me, show me the way. I want to grow in relationship with you. God, as we walk this out and as this week we join together in groups, I pray that you'll allow us to just laugh at ourselves the way we neighbor, but as well have great dialogues about the difference we can make in others' lives. I pray that as we're on mission out in the community, as we're following your heart for people, we would have eyes that would see and ears that would hear, that we would be able to follow those unctions obediently, that you would let us know we're supposed to do as as being a good neighbor. And we'll share the stories with one another so that it'll lift all of us up and give us a path to follow, to neighbor well. In Jesus' name I pray.